Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. That just to test the microphone. I was doing that because I think it's a solid place we need to ground ourselves. And if you're going through something or have been through something or in the future we'll go through something, that's the biggest challenge you'll face is whether or not God's love remains, okay? So it's really important to repeat that to yourself over and over and over again. His love never fails. That'll help us in our message today. We're going to talk a little bit based on what Pastor Steve has already been talking about, built to last, right? And so if a thing is going to last, you have to have a solid foundation that you build on. Does that make sense? Worship, if you don't mind for me, uh, giving a little bit about worship for a moment. Worship is when you value God above everything you gain in life and above everything you lose in death. Worship is when the value you have for God, his word, his ways, exceeds the value of everything you gain in life and everything you lose in death. Every day of our life, that value is being exchanged. You're challenged whether or not you value God at that level and what you'll do with the other things that fight for that attention. And every day, you and I have to make decisions. God, you're more important. God, your word is more important. God, what you're doing is more important. I encourage you, when you are faced with that challenge, let go. Don't hold the thing that you're holding on to, okay? We're going to talk a little bit today about unity, unity. And the idea behind this is unity challenges what we value and what we hold on to. So if you're ready to go there with me, I'm going to ask you to just clear your hearts and minds. Be okay, because I didn't write none of the Bible. That's probably bad language, right? Grammar. I didn't write any of the Bible. I'm from Arkansas, so it's none of the Bible, (laughs) right? But we're going to go through it together and look at a couple of things. How many of you really, and you don't have to answer this just because I'm asking, okay? How many of you really want to see your faith in God go to the next level? Okay. How many of you really would love to see the power of God moving in our community at a more vibrant and real display? Okay, here's the question to you. What are you willing to risk to get to the next level? What are you willing to risk to see God work at a whole different level in our community? Anytime that we talk through the scripture, I believe there's a micro and a macro level. So when we're talking about the church, for example, the church doesn't function without the members. Does that make sense? The members make up the church. So if I'm saying the church ought to be something, I'm equally saying the members ought to be something. Does that make any sense? The church would never be what its members are not. Does that make sense? The church can never do what its members will not. Does that make sense? So if I want to see my church do something, I as a member have to own that. Does that make any sense? Okay, that's clear, right? How many of you know unity is one of the most sought-after things in our world today? All over the world, people want to know, what can we do to just get along? How do we bring everybody together in unity? 
How do we break down the barriers that divide us? How many of you would like to know the answer to that? Me too. How many of you would like to see that happen? I would. So I'm going to ask you if you have a Bible to get ready to go along with me, okay, in the Bible. Now, I'm not using a Bible today. I got a tablet. Hal challenged me this morning as an example of this message. I come in, they showed me his socks. Now, I had had this conversation in the week, so it was already a challenge. And uh, one of the things that I believe, I believe in black socks, blue socks, or brown socks. Black is good. Hal got on colorful socks. As a traditionalist, I'm not putting on colored socks. Them socks with all them funny pictures and things, and I'm not doing that. Because <laughs> I'm a traditionalist, right? Somehow, though, I have to figure out how do I deal with folks who wear funny socks. <laughs> right? You could make fun of them. Yeah, you could make fun of them. But it challenges me because as a black, blue, brown sock person, I got to deal with a colorful sock guy. And somehow or another, I got to be on the same page with him and call him my brother. We can get to arguing over the socks, and we have to let a few things go. I might get socks for Christmas. Now, then that's my unity going to be challenged again, because I love black, blue, brown sock people. And if I get colorful socks with clowns and things on them for Christmas, I'm going to have to figure out what to do. <laughs> right? I have to figure out what to do. I want to talk to you about unity, and I want to tell you a little bit of story that happened for me for real in my life, but I want to ask you a question just to think for a second. How many people are out there in your life that right now there exist some barriers between you and them, right? How many of you are being good Christians, but you know there are some folks out there that you just can't get along with right now, and that's an issue for you? I don't want you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you got different folk in the church that's hard for you to get along with? Don't raise your hand. Just because of something about them you don't like, like hell socks. <laughs> hey, should the church have a choir or should they have a worship team? Should the preacher be on the pulpit or is it okay if he walk around out here? Should he wear a suit or should he wear casual clothes? You see, those are the things that get in our way. Examples of them. There are plenty more. You could probably rattle off and we could be here till Sunday, next Sunday, rattling off reasons that we think something's right or wrong. Is that right? Most of you may not know it, so I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you if it's okay. Is that okay? That means y'all got to keep my stuff, all right? Uh, I have a, most of you met my son, Cameron. He's 33 years old. And I have an older son who's Anthony Jr. He's 36. That means I was married when I was 12. <laughs> Not exactly 12, but I was married before and I've been divorced. Now the church has to figure out what to do with a divorce guy. So that was the first problem I presented. Then after divorce, I, I didn't see my children for a long time. I was in the military up here. They were in Arkansas. And when I would go to Arkansas, I would go to visit them. And their mother had gotten remarried. And the man that was now their stepfather didn't like me. Now I don't know why he didn't like me. I got my own ideas, but I don't know why he didn't like me. But when I would go visit my children, he would let the children come and see me, but only as they walked down the street beside me. And he would drive down beside us very slow, watching me and the kids. And when he got tired of it, he would make the kids come and get in the car and take them home. Now, every time I went home, every summer I would go home, or twice a year I'd go home to see them. That's how I had to see them. 
And one, one time I went home, and I was going to see them, and I went to visit them in their yard, and I asked him, because I didn't go in the house, could they come out and take some time with me? He said yes, and he let them come out for a few moments. Then he told them to get back in the house. And I said, hey, listen, it's only been about five minutes. Let me spend some time with the kids. He got upset. He decided he wanted to fight me. He come out. He was ready to fight me. I'm standing here. My two sons are standing there looking up at me and looking up at him. And I'm figuring, huh, can I take him? <laughs> then I thought to myself, if I take him, he's going to take it out on my children. If he whoop me, it's going to be bad for my children. So I walked away. I walked away with the decision, I'm never going back there again and be in that situation again. Now, whether you agree with it or not, it's the decision I made, and it stayed there for like seven years. And one year at Fort Lewis, God talked to me, hey, you need to go home, see that man. Now, I'm saying to myself, this got to be the devil. <laughs> you need to get a ticket, go home and see that man. I talked through it for a minute. I said, okay, God, I'm going, but I don't know why I'm going. And I get a ticket, I get on the plane, I'm on the plane, I'm crying. I probably look very stupid to the stewardess because I'm crying and talking out loud to God. This is not fair. I don't know why you're making me go. And I'm a grown-up sitting on the plane crying. I get off the plane, I go to my little town in Brinkley, Arkansas. I drive up to the house, and I'm getting out the car, and I'm thinking, I don't know why I'm here. I had decided not to go, but I ended up there anyway, and I don't know why I'm here. I knock on the door, and I step back off the porch, and I ask them to come outside. I have no idea what I'm going to say. And what I'm going to do, all I know is I need to see him. And when he come outside, he stood in front of me, and we're like two cowboys on a Western day. And I walked up to him, and I said, took my hand out and said, hey, listen, I just want to thank you for the great job you did in raising my kids. I know how tough it is to raise another man's kids. And I just want to say, I really appreciate you. Now, I didn't mean to say that. It just came out of my mouth. When it came out of my mouth, that man fell to his knees crying. And he repented and accepted Jesus that day. Why are you telling me that? Because there was a barrier between me and that man that had to be torn down. Some of you right now got barriers between you and other people. And today I want to challenge you. I want to challenge your thinking and ask you to consider letting God break down those barriers. The power of God in the church can only be seen when the church is unified. Got that? You would never know God's power like you're supposed to know it or should know it by being an individual in a Christian church. The power of God is not designed to work in isolation for an individual person. If you are praying and asking God to do something, but you are disconnected and on the outside, sitting on the fringes, not really involved, not engaged, it will never work. If you want God's power, you have to engage. Go to Ephesians with me. Let's read a little bit. Ephesians, we're going to, as a matter of fact, let me do something totally different if you don't mind. It's not on the screen. Let me ask you to go to Corinthians real quick because I got to get you there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to keep in mind one of the most powerful demonstrations of God's ability is the unity of the church, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25, and we're going to read 25 through 27. Say, I got it, all right? Here's how it reads in my version. Yours may have a few different words. There should be no schism in the body. Is that what yours says? but that the members should have the same care one for another. 
Now, you can read the rest. I'm going to stop right there because I'm challenged by this verse to love Hal with his socks. <laughs> I should treat Hal the same, even though he doesn't wear black, brown, or blue socks as his regular routine. I'm a traditionalist when it comes to socks. He's not. But this book says there should be no schism in the body. Got that? All right. Now go to Ephesians with me. We're going to walk through it. Is that okay? I put up a couple of definitions. I'm going to ask uh, the media group to put it up. I put up a definition of unity and peace because I want you to see this before we read it, okay? So if you have those, the definition of unity right here. So it's a oneness. It's a sameness. It's a likeness that happens with us because of what you and I share through Christ. All right? Got that? Let's look at the definition for peace. In order for the church to be whole, have peace, the individuals in the church need to be whole, have peace. Does that make sense? Peace is when God takes all the scattered faculties of who I am and bring them all together as one whole thing. So my mind, my body, my physical, my mental, my emotional, all of them become one whole together. God can do that for you. Depression is not a sign of wholeness, but God can bring it back together. You understand? If the church is going to be whole all together, each member has to become whole. So let's read in Ephesians, if you don't mind, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Find it in your Bible. Let me know when you get there. Here it is on the screen just in case. Does it say try to live in unity? Does it say Make sure you do what you can to be peaceful. Does it say work hard to get along with everybody? It says endeavor to keep the unity. There's no reason for the church to go out and have to create unity. We already have it. We have it. The challenge for us is to endeavor to keep it. Once we recognize we have it, our challenge is to keep it. Do everything you can to keep it. I can't let socks take my unity. You with me? Do everything you have to keep it in the bond of what holds unity together? Peace. What holds unity together? Peace. Wholeness. I can't be one if I'm not whole. Can you have one without the other? I don't think so. You have to have both. Wholeness and oneness only comes, first of all, from what God does. We're going to see it. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Where I want to begin reading that in chapter 2 is verse 13. You read with me, and then we'll try to make sense of all of this and how it applies, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 13 of Ephesians. At one time, you were far away from God. Is that true about you? It's true about me. This chapter is going to deal with Jews and Gentiles. If I could change it to today's language, it would be church people and non-church people. There are two groups of people in the world, church people and non-church people. Now, there are subgroups of all of those, but there are church people and non-church people. How many of you were raised in the church? So one thing you learn is being raised in the church doesn't give you any advantage. So quit acting like that's an advantage over people who haven't been raised in the church. It's not. That's what the scriptures are talking about. There's no advantage for being raised in the church because that don't mean you got it. There's no advantage from not being raised in the church because that don't mean you get it. The only advantage is what? Christ. Folks raised in the church have to have Christ. 
And folks raised outside of the church have to have Christ. And if you're going to get to heaven, you have to have Christ. And if you're going to get along with your neighbors, you need Christ. If you're going to overcome everything that's plaguing you in your life, you need, and I need, Christ. Got that? You and I were once far off. How did we get here? Near. He made us near. None of you come. None of you were smart enough to come. You can get that out your head. None of us were smart enough to come to God. He came and got us. He sought us. He pursued us. He sought after us. He brought us to himself one way or the other. And we cannot take credit for being here. Otherwise, you create a category of people that destroy unity. If you say the way to get here is to do what I've done, you've created a distinction. That means no one else can be there unless they do what you've done. Got that? This is good teaching, Tony. All right. All right. Number 14, verse 14 of the same chapter. He himself is our peace. When I have him, I have peace. He himself is our peace. Peace is not generated from any other method outside of him. Now, that's tough right there. How many of you know you can't impose peace? How many of you know you can't impose unity? All you got to do is have children <laughs> and try to make them get along. Or you could watch the U.S. and the Iran conflict, the Iran conflict. They have been trying to make peace for years. Every now and then, someone gets smart enough to think they can broker a peace deal. And they get the two sides together and tell them to sign. And they sign and go away and fight each other again later. You can't broker peace from an external point of view. You can't make peace with people through outside negotiations. Likewise, you can't accomplish peace through making an external agreement. If you've been trying to make peace between you and someone else, the reason it's not working is because you're trying to do something that's impossible. One of you in that negotiation is going to have to have peace. One of you. When I went to see that man, I was a Christian. I had peace. I'm not going to tell you it felt good. And I'm not going to tell you I understood it. I'm not going to even tell you it was a great idea that I had. I didn't understand the power of it till after. When I made God's word more valuable than my opinion and feelings about that man, when I was willing to risk my own ego to go to that man, not with a plan, totally about to be embarrassed, that was the risk I was taking. And God showed up in such a mighty way that man can't deny it today. He see me now. He don't know what to do. He don't know whether to shake my hand, hug me, or run. Because I have the power. Now he has the power. Now we're brothers. Hmm. How many of you know our relationship didn't just jump straight? There was some work to do. But we had a foundation of peace. Our goal then was to endeavor to keep the unity. Got that? When you get married, that's what married people are supposed to do. Endeavor to keep what God has joined together. But different things mess people up. Color of socks, how to cook the chicken, which side of the bed you sleep on, what's your nickname or my nickname. I mean, lots of things mess people up because they focus on something else that's more valuable than the peace God gives. 
if you focus on anything else as more valuable than what you gain through Christ, you are erecting a wall of hostility. That verse says, Jesus broke down the wall of hostility that existed between us. Is that right? Hostility simply means anything that can cause division, any reason to fight. James says, why do you think there's fights among you? Isn't it because there's something you want and you can't get it? In other words, there's an inward desire you have that's going unfulfilled, and you don't see things the same way the other people do, so you fight. He didn't say Jesus is going to break it down. He said Christ has already broken it down. So what was his goal according to verse 14? What was his goal? Peace. To make of two people one. Here's some news just for your thinking. You're no longer an American citizen. You're no longer a Washingtonian. Let me get deeper. You're no longer Caucasian. You're no longer Irish or Italian or Hispanic or African-American or whatever else you might class yourself to be. What happens if you keep those distinctions? We're going to fight. Something is going to cause us to fight. If you hold that distinction, something's going to cause us to fight. It may not be right now because we can have a semblance of peace until trouble comes. If you hold on to those distinctions, you can't hold on to the peace that God gives. Men, women, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, charismatic, tall, short, economic, career, social, handicap, education, whatever it is as a distinction, it's a barrier. Come on, somebody. If it's a distinction you hold dear, it's a barrier to Christ. Come on, somebody. I don't care if your mother did it that way all while you were growing up and your husband don't like it. It's a barrier to Christ. Whoa. It can get that simple. I don't care if it's this the way you used to it being done and it's the only way you know. It's a barrier to Christ. Come on, somebody. The question is, do you love God more than that thing? Do you love God more than that way? Do you love God more than that idea? Do you love God more than that comfortable place? Do you love God more than what you are used to and how much you're willing to risk to see him work? Now, here we are, sit as a church. We want to see the power of God. I do. I do. We remember in the book of Acts, the place where we saw the power was when everybody got together and had everything in common. Then we asked the question, why can't we do that? Some of you say, I'm quiet, so I don't like loud people. Okay, that's a distinction. I have to learn how to deal with socks. I should be able to let him have his socks, and I can wear my brown ones if I want to, but it won't separate us because I'm not going to start teaching people about socks. <laughs> Only the brown socks will do. <laughs> and the Lord said, black, blue, and brown. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> not going to do that. Socks is something you can decide on if you want to. If you like them, great. If you don't, vegetables or meat. Don't be mad at me because I like chicken. And you're a vegetarian. You don't even have to tell me why I shouldn't eat chicken. You just eat vegetables. If you tell me anything, tell me why you eat vegetables. Don't tell me why I shouldn't eat chicken because we're going to fight. Because I'm holding chicken as a distinction. <laughs> you can't come to me and tell me chicken's bad for you. I'm going to deny every scripture in the Bible trying to figure out chicken's good for me. 
<laughs> you cause fights like that. Does that make sense? And that ain't nothing to fight over. Let me eat chicken. If you need to talk to me about chicken, invite me over and ask me, tell me your thoughts on chicken. And I'll tell you, chicken's a vegetable. <laughs> they grow in the yard, don't they? <laughs> what happens when human beings try to make peace? What happens when human beings try to make unity? They form rules, other distinctions. So in order to get along, everybody wear blue. Now then there comes that odd person who don't want to wear blue. Now you got to tell them, you're out. I want to read a couple of other scriptures because I want to show you why that's important. Is that okay? All right. So verse 15 of that same chapter in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 15. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God. This is 16, right? Okay. We can start here. That's good. Verse 16 together. And in one body to reconcile both of them to through the by which he how many hostilities have been put to death? Come on, somebody. Come on, would you do this with me? If you're in agreement. Only those in agreement, okay? If you don't agree, don't raise your hand yet. Wait till later. If you're in agreement, raise your hand up. And say, God, I let go of hostility. You put it to death. I'm going to quit trying to resuscitate it. That word is every reason. It's not how you feel. That hostility word is not how you're feeling. It's the reason that keeps that feeling alive. Don't try to shake the feeling. Let go of the reason and pursue another reason. What's the reason? The cross, Christ. Let go of the reason and pursue Christ. God, if me and Hal getting together over socks, God, Hal's got these socks. I don't know a thing about these socks. I don't like them. They don't feel good to me. But enlighten me. Show me where socks come in and where they don't matter and where they matter. Because <laughs> socks shouldn't get in our way. Is that right? That hostility is dead. And if it bothered me that much, let me go and do something to get my eyes fixed and my heart right. Because hey, I don't have to change his socks because I feel bad. I need to learn how to feel differently. And you don't do that unless you practice something. Right? So they told me they're going to buy me some socks. I'm going to wear them too. Buy me some colorful clown kind of socks. Oh, I'm going to wear them. I just confessed that I'm not going to wear them in public first. I'm going to wear them around the house and look at myself and try to get used to it. Then I'm going to wear them and let somebody else see them and go back in the house. <laughs> try to figure out. But I'm going to try it. I'm not promising to love colorful socks. I'm going to try it so I can see what you feel. <laughs> so I can understand you better. So I can empathize. But if I go back to brown, don't call me chicken. Because <laughs> it's what I prefer. Is that okay? Yeah. Right? You don't have to do brown and black. You can do what you want. By He came, verse 17, go. He came Same peace for both groups, right? Come on, high five somebody. Say, I got it too. Same peace for everybody. See, it's the same peace. There's no different peace. Right? Verse number 18. Through him, who has access? You got the same right I got. Isn't that pretty good? You can go for yourself. Isn't that pretty good? Now, you have to remember that song, One Thing Remains, because life will try to make you feel like you're not qualified. 
Life will try to make you feel like you're not worthy. Life and people sometimes will try to make you feel like you got to do something first. When I remember my Bible said, call is the only thing you got to do. Call on the Lord. He's near already. But if you call, help, you can say that. Oh, Lord, have mercy, please. You can say that. Oh, God, you can say that. But call, that's all. You ain't got to go get things together. You just call. Does that make any sense? Now, I don't know if they have the other verses, but I want you to see what he says in the end here. Verse number 21 or so. So if you're there, if you're in your own Bible, you can go to verse 20, 21, Ephesians chapter 2. I really just want to read 19 and I'll stop there. You got it with me? Consequently, as a result of God breaking down the wall, tearing down the barriers, there's so much on this subject to study. I'm glad Brett's doing Ephesians. There's so much in this book to know that we don't get a chance to know. I'm only giving you the simplified version of such a powerful truth that it, re it really would warrant your going and look at it some more. Okay? There's no way I can do it full justice in these few minutes. Please study it. If you need a Bible group to know about it, ask somebody and let's get around the table and talk. Okay? Verse 19 says what? Now, therefore, consequently, as a result of Christ breaking down the middle wall, tearing down the barrier, him being our peace, and we now are one in him, one body, as a result of that, there are no more foreigners, and there are no more strangers. No one should ever come into your presence and feel like a stranger. No one should ever be in this house and sit as a foreigner. Your responsibility as a blood-bought believer in Christ is to look around and ensure that no one is sitting here like a foreigner and go out of your way to make sure no one feels like a stranger. A foreigner is someone who does not have rights and privileges. They sit in your midst, but they know they don't have access to what you have access to. Every member here should know they have access to everything every other member has. You are members of the kingdom of God, citizens of heaven. You're not American. You're not Jewish. You're not Gentile. You are citizens of heaven. And if you ever go anywhere and you see someone from your town or your country, you know how good it feels to meet a kindred spirit. Is that right? Man, you go over to Canada and see somebody from Washington, it's like you've known them all your life. Oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you're from Washington? Cool, me too. I'm from the east, you're from west. We don't even care. As long as they're from our area. You are from heaven. Hallelujah. You are citizens of heaven. You have access. God does not heal certain people. He heals every citizen of heaven. Uh-oh. He heals every citizen of heaven? Yeah, because his Medicare program extends across the kingdom. <laughs> you didn't have to sign up. When you got Christ, you got to sign up for medical. His food stamp program. You didn't know God had a food stamp program? Of course he does. Fed Elijah with ravens and children of Israel with manna. If you don't have it, God's care program extends across heaven. He got delivery people, though. He got delivery people. And you know, you hate it when that Uber driver don't bring your order. You're God's Uber drivers. You get a call, you're supposed to deliver no matter what time it is. 
And you're not supposed to expect a tip. You're just supposed to deliver. As a matter of fact, so much different than every other kingdom, you're supposed to look for opportunity to deliver, not waiting on a call. You ought to have an extra meal in your car, one in your cupboard, an extra loaf of bread, <laughs> extra chicken. And uh, Y'all don't know, chicken's like money, too. Folk fight over chicken. <laughs> all you got to do is follow them Popeye's chicken commercials. Folk fighting all over the news over a chicken sandwich. Oh, they are. They killing each other over a chicken sandwich. Because chicken is from heaven, y'all. <laughs> so, look, here's the challenge. Tony, you always do us like that. You always want to make us do something. The reason is very simple. The blessings of God is not to the hearers. It's to the doers. If you want God's blessings, you can't continue to just hear. You have to do something. So I try my best not to give you any message that does not challenge you to do something. You don't have to do it here all the time, but you got to do something. But don't tell God Tony didn't tell me that because heaven's got a record. So here's the challenge. Hey, listen, think about that person, whether in the church or outside of the church, that has a barrier, that there's a barrier between you and them. Just think about them for a second. And then add to that thought, God is trying to save them. And then decide for yourself, would you rather hold your grudge and keep that barrier up or would you rather have God save them? Which is more important? I'm not guaranteed they'll be your friend. I'm not even guaranteed you'll see the results of that right away. But God wants to save them. Can you give up what you want to let God get what he wants? God is trying to save you. So if you have a barrier of your own that's keeping you from people around you, close to you, who want to be close to you, if you have erected barriers in your own individual self, privacy, secrecy, ego, I can do it on my own. I don't need nobody. I should be able to handle this. Those are barriers. And God wants to save you. The question is, can you let go of that and let God save you? He wants to bring you peace. Whatever your barrier, I don't know them all and I can't name them all. But if it's a political barrier, don't fight with them just because they're Democrats or progressives. Let it go. God wants to save them. If they smoke and you don't believe in that, that's okay. God can fix all of that. Just let it go. God wants to save them. If you are hurting and you've isolated yourself alone, God wants to save you. If you're dealing with something by yourself, and it's really weighing you down. God wants to save you. The only thing you have to decide is you will hold on to his peace and you'll work to keep the unity of the body by letting that barrier go. There are lots of bricks in the barriers that separate us. Tear them down. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Tear down that wall. Listen, just be human. Don't be black 
or Caucasian or man or woman or Jew or Gentile. Be a human citizen of the kingdom of God and know that God invited your worst enemy to do the same and be okay with that. You can whoop an enemy by letting them get saved and they become a brother or a sister or a friend. Indirect or directly, they become a contributor to your cause. Let it go. One of the biggest challenges ahead of you now is to trust that God knows what he's doing and he's good at it. You'll let down all guards and keep the unity of the faith. Here's my challenge. Jeff and Pastor, would you come with me? Brett, would you, uh, would you come, Brett, and help me? Uh, Alan, would you guys come? Come up. We're just going to have prayer in just a minute because I'm challenging you, okay? I determined just for myself. It don't have to be for you. You can stay where you are if you want to. This is not something you have to do. It's not something you have to do. I just determined for myself. I really want to see God's power in my life. God's doing miracles every day. I see them. They're not big flashes. They're little things I wish I could tell you. They stuff I wish you were there to see it. But he's doing them every day. Because I would let him challenge my barriers. I don't like socks, but I wear them. Because I want him to break some barriers in my life. I'm asking you today, if you're here, and you know you have some barriers you want God to break in your life, these persons are here to pray with us. That's all I want them to do is just pray with whoever comes and say, God, I got some barriers. I want them to tear them down in my life because I want the full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ working in my personal life and in my city. And I no longer decide today to stand in the way of that. I want to see power. If that's you, while they sing and play, you're free to just come up and let's pray. Go back to your seat after you're done or stay there where you are and do whatever you need to do. It's on you. But faith is the only way to access God. And faith is an action word. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 